series in 1 John because, I th- because it is our annual meeting Sunday and because we're going to gather together, I wanted to bring a talk about the state of the church, who we are, where we're at, where we're going, what God has placed upon the leadership's heart, um, what we're really sensing from God. And, you know, I, I believe that the church in North America has developed a, a, a significant problem over the last number of decades. And, but that issue is being addressed by a lot of churches right now. They've recognized it. And they're starting to rectify some of the, the mistakes that we've made over the last number of decades. And, and it's coming back to getting on track with what Jesus said to do. And, and the problem that we as a church have had for a long time, as long as I can remember, is that the church has gone on a convert, conversion, expedition. We've been wanting to go out and make converts to Christianity. Now, that doesn't sound all that bad. I mean, it sounds kind of noble. kind of sounds like maybe something that we should be doing. But if you take a look at the Gospels, and if you look at what Jesus taught his disciples, if you listen to what the gospel writer said throughout the whole New Testament, you will never come to a point where Jesus or any of the apostles ever said at any time, go and make converts. It's not in the Bible. It's just not there. Now, the the problem with making converts is that what you're doing is you're asking somebody to convert from one belief system to another belief system. And what we call that is religion, religiosity. We're changing religion. And Jesus never called us to change religion. Matter of fact, Jesus wasn't in favor of religion. He wasn't a religious guy. He didn't preach religion. He didn't come and talk about religion. All he ever talked about in his time with his disciples was his relationship with his father and the kingdom of God being at hand. That's what Jesus taught. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. And so the church, he, he gave them a command that we are to fulfill, and he gave it to his, his first um, disciples. There were 120 of them. And this is the command that he gave to them. And it's found in Matthew 28. It says, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now these are the very words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Every church that preaches the gospel. Every parachurch organization that teaches the word of God. Every Christian high school, college club on a campus should be teaching and making disciples. Every ministry of our church should be making disciples. And the church should be striving to fulfill all of Christ's command to his disciples. Take a look at that verse again. Um, The next part of it, notice what Jesus says. He says, go. 
That word right there at the beginning is go. That word go, in the context and the meaning of that verse, it means while you're going on your everyday activity, in everything you do, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to get gas, when you go to your neighbor's house, when you go to a high school basketball game or sporting event, when you go to the 4th of July parade, when you go fishing with your friends, as you are going in those activities, make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not setting aside some kind of a moment in our life where we're going like, we're going to call the evangelism team together for Tuesday night. We're going to go out and do some cold turkey calling to win some converts to Jesus. <laughs> that's, not what we're, that's not what Jesus called us to do. He told us in everyday life, in everything we do, that as we go through our normal activities of life, that's where we're supposed to be making disciples. It's not that complicated. But what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at this. Because when we talk about making a disciple, kind of the idea that we have to get in our mind is what is a disciple? Because Jesus had disciples and then he had disciples. And what's the difference? What's a, how do we know? Well, the whole idea and the whole premise of disciples and, and having disciples isn't only found in the Bible, and it isn't only new to Christian thought or to being a Christ follower. There are a lot of different um, groups that have disciples, but in the context of the Bible and in the context of what Jesus is talking about, when he talks about disciple, every person that hears the word disciple has a picture in their mind that that disciple is a student who is following their rabbi. They chose a rabbi, a teacher, who would expound the, the, the virtues and the characteristics and all the things about God. They, that's what the rabbi would do. And the disciple of that rabbi would walk in such close proximity with the the, the um, rabbi, that he would be at the rabbi's side, at his feet. He would eat meals with him as often as he could. When, wherever the rabbi went, the disciple would follow. When the rabbi laid down to, to have an afternoon siesta sleep, the, the, the disciples would gather around and lay at his feet. When he'd get up and start walking again, they would follow him wherever they went because they were picking up on every word that that the rabbi would teach. Jesus was the rabbi for his disciples. They called him rabbi. They called him teacher. And the whole idea behind the whole thing is, and it's said that the disciples of the rabbi were in such close proximity to their teacher that the dust of his sandals would kick up and land on their robes. That's what it meant to be in close proximity of your rabbi. The problem is that our country has been selling a version of Jesus over the past number of years that doesn't look anything like the rabbi, Jesus, teacher, son of God, we know in the, in the Bible. And therefore, if Jesus, the Jesus that is being presented, isn't the Jesus of the Bible, then those who are following that Jesus that's not of the Bible, 
they're really not disciples of God, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What they are is they are just converts to some religious teaching and philosophy. And that's all they've got. Here's the the honesty in this whole idea of a convert versus a disciple. It's not a new issue that the church is dealing with. It's a very old one. Jesus had, when he would minister to the people, you know, uh, we, if you're new to faith or if you're new to the church, or maybe this is your first time ever stepping into a church, when Jesus would go out and among the people, he would do a number of different things. He came and he would, he, what he was saying is, I'm presenting to you, he's saying, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. And so he was proclaiming the kingdom of God because he was the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And so as people started to listen to the teaching of Jesus, it was revolutionary. It was refreshing. It was new. It wasn't something like the old guys were teaching. Matter of fact, this young guy, because he was only 30 when he started, he, he, he got this thing going, and people were amazed at the wisdom and the authority in which Jesus taught. They were like, man, our guys that have been doing this for a bunch of years, they don't get it, but he gets it. He really has it going. And so people started to follow Jesus. And all anyone had to do was to watch Jesus heal the sick, cast out demons, feed the masses, rebuke the religious elite, and preach the kingdom of God. And, and he was the greatest attraction for anybody that was hanging around. For anybody wanting to get on board with this rabbi, all they had to do was watch and see and listen and hear what Jesus had for them. And what he had for them was so revolutionarily different than anybody else ever taught them. It grabbed them and they came along. Now in John's gospel, he records how Jesus sifted out those who were wannabes from the real deal. In the sixth chapter of John, Jesus has to deal with a group of followers who have the wrong idea about who Jesus is and what he came to do. In verse 15, it says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is right on the heels of Jesus doing a bunch of miracles. I mean, he had been casting out demons. He had been making the lame to walk, the blind to see. He'd been healing people of all kinds of diseases. And everything, he was just doing what God had placed him on this earth to do, and that was to reveal the kingdom of God. And then at the end of the day, everybody's there, and there's somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people who have come to see this rabbi and to hear what he has to say and to be healed and to be set free from their demons. And now the sun is about to set and people are hungry. And he turns around and he says to his disciples, feed the masses, would you? And they're going like, what? They're going like, well, you know, even, if we, 
even if we all had real jobs instead of following a rabbi, we were making really good money. All of us together couldn't come up with enough money in one year to feed all these people. Jesus said, well, what do you have? Well, we have this little boy over here. He's got five loaves and two fishes. Jesus says, okay, bring him to me. And so he, you know the story. He took him. He blessed him. He broke him. He passed it out. And everybody was fed somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people. And they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Amazing. And so then Jesus says, hey, boys, get in the boat. We've had a big day of ministry. You need to get some rest. Go to the other side of the lake. I'll meet you over there. And so he's dealing with the people. And that's when they're going like, hey, let's put this all together. It's the perfect health plan. Better than Obamacare because everybody gets healed and you don't pay anything. Perfect healing all the time. Okay, yeah. Look, it's better than welfare. We get fed. Can you imagine never having to work again for a meal? This guy, if he can take five loaves and two fishes, just think what he could do with a little lamb stew. Feed us. He's going to feed us well. He's casting out demons. There's a spiritual presence about him. You know what? We make this guy king. He's going to take care of the Romans like that. We'll not be under their control anymore. He'll set up his kingdom. He will rule the earth, and we will be right there with him. And it is going to be great because we will have everything we want. And Jesus is like, "Mm, no, you got the wrong idea about me. That's not the kind of king I am. You've got the wrong picture of who I am. And so he dismisses the... He dismisses them, and he goes off into the mountains. But in the morning, you know, in in the meantime, the disciples, they're on their little boat. And these guys are fishermen, and they're on the lake. And, of course, you guys know the the story. The storm comes up. They're about ready to get swamped, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And they're going, and Peter's like, what? Hey, Jesus, can I come? Yeah, come on out, and they save me. He saves them. They get back in the boat. Jesus calms the winds and the waves, and the storm ceases. They go to the other side, and they think they're going to have a day of rest on the other side. But the crowds are going like, we know where he went. So the larger crowds gather on the other side of the lake again with Jesus. And, and th- you can just imagine the disciples, the 12 of them, can you just imagine them going like, look at us. We're gaining traction We're starting to build momentum. We've got like 20,000 plus people who are following our rabbi. And we're right here with him. He's the leader. And we're right here next to him. And everybody's going to have to answer to us because we'll stand in there and we'll say, do you need to see Jesus? Okay, what's your ailment today? No, he's not dealing with that. Come back on Thursday, okay? We got big things to deal with today. Is there somebody that's dead or needs to come back to life, or, you know. And so they, this is the thought they have in their mind about where they're going to be with Jesus. They're looking at the crowds, and it's not that they just have these large crowds going on around them. They've got impressive people in the crowds. They've got wealthy businessmen. They've got famous leaders. They've got people of importance coming from all around the region. They're coming to see 
to be, to listen to Jesus. And the 12 are on the ground floor of the greatest spiritual movement that the world has ever seen. And they're excited. And rightly so, because look at what they're producing. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus takes a look and he gets the picture They want to make him king. They have the wrong idea about who he is. And so Jesus gives them this talk. This is totally different than what anybody thought was going to come out of Jesus' mouth next. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, if you want to see the real change, then you will first have to eat my flesh. And you're going to have to eat my and drink my blood. And anybody who drinks my blood... I will abide in them, and they will abide in me. And I can just see Peter, James, and John hanging their head and going, we have all this going on, Jesus. Why are you giving them the eat my flesh, drink my blood talk right now? You're messing it all up. Don't you know what we've got? And all of a sudden, they're just going like, oh, man, we had so much. I can't believe it. But Jesus had a specific goal in mind when he told them what was going to take for them to be one of his disciples. In John chapter 6, it says this, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go ahead as well and go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see what happened here? All these people that had the wrong idea about Jesus, they were converted to following Jesus because they liked what they saw. They liked what they thought was going to happen. They liked all the the frills and all the excitement of it all. But Jesus boils it down. He said also, take up your cross and follow me daily. That's not something you say to a group of people. You're trying to get moving in the right direction. So the strong emphasis on inner response as the only proper basis for extending external behavior was more than most of the listeners could bear. As a result, many would-be disciplers no longer followed Jesus. Now here's an interesting change that takes place in the use of the word disciple in John's gospel from this point on. It is found in a more restricted sense of genuine disciple. Genuine disciple. After chapter 6, every time the word disciple comes up, it's not talking about the masses or converts. It's talking about those who are genuinely going to follow Jesus with all of their heart. They're sold out to him 100%. And that's what it means when Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Here's the thing about that. In this process of making disciples, Jesus tells us to go and make these disciples and we're to become disciple-making disciples who have become disciples, and those who have become disciples with us, there are two things that happen after you become a disciple. We are to baptize them, and we are to teach them. 
One of the problems that we have in the church today is that when we have a new disciple, right there is a new disciple of Jesus. One of the problems that we have is is that these new disciples that come along, we're going like, well, we want to make sure that their commitment to Christ was genuine. And we want to make sure that it's going to stick. We want to make sure that they're not going to fall back into old sinful habits and old behaviors. We want to make sure they're on the right path. So what we're going to do is we're going to set up a newcomer's class. And it's going to be 18 weeks long. And you're going to learn everything about the church. And you're going to learn about membership. And you're going to learn about tithing and offering. And you're going to learn about about baptism, and then you're going to go and sit in front of a group of elders. They're going to quiz you on your relationship to God, and if you pass that, then we'll baptize you. That, according to Jesus, is bull snot. (laughs) That is not what Jesus said to do. You've got a new disciple? Baptize that guy right now. Get him in the water. We tried to cut a hole through the ice, but Cade wasn't that willing. (laughs) So, infomercial time. If you're going like, "Mm, you know what? I've missed that step in becoming a disciple. I've never been baptized. I've given my life to Christ. I've been taught for a long time, but I have not been baptized. I want you to come and talk to me today because we are going to do a baptism in Jamie's hot tub. We've already got two people that are going like, woohoo, baptize me. They said it. They've come and talked to me. They want to get baptized. So that's what we're going to do. And so if you've not been baptized and God's poking you right here today about getting baptized, you better come and talk to me because the Spirit of God is not going to leave you alone. You will not find any rest until you get baptized. So the, the, the process which Jesus laid out for us when he gave us this command is make disciples then baptize those guys in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The triune God's going to get involved in this. And then teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you. That's the process. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are in this church. Those are the things that we want to see happen. <coughs> Somewhere I just don't know where to cough, so I'm sorry. We are so serious about this church becoming disciples who make disciples that your leadership team has taken this absolutely 100% serious. First thing is we took 10 months to recraft our vision and mission statements. It's by these statements that we will be doing what we sense God calling us to do as a church. Our new vision statement is this. We are a community of people who are intentionally connecting other people with Jesus. We are intentionally connecting other people with Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, here's what it means. It means that it's the summary of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We are intentional about making disciples. That's connecting people with Jesus. We are intentional about baptizing new believers. That's connecting them with Jesus through the death, burial, and resurrection that he went through. We are intentional about teaching them. That's connecting them with Jesus. The way we know this is happening is when people come into this place and they encounter Christ, 
they are connecting with others, then they have a desire to reach the world for Jesus. That's called disciples making disciples. That's what we've been called to do. That's what this church is all about. This is what we're going to do. Matter of fact, we are so single-minded about this disciple-making process. We want to help you grow as a disciple. We as a leadership team have committed to investing in you so that you can become the best you can be as a disciple. Our offer to you is a free gift that will help you in your pursuit of being a disciple who makes disciples. It comes from a company called Right Now Media and is the Christian version of Netflix. Watch this video. Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that Scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free to every member of our church. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids' videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ. And we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life. To experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. We are for you, and God is for you. He wants to empower you every day to live for Him. Together, we can be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. That is the free gift we want you and your family to have. And I'm going to tell you exactly how you can get this to make it a part of your home and the activities of your life. I'll tell you that at our annual meeting. Ha! Ha! Gotcha! Some of you are going like, I hate that guy. No, um, it, it's more time than I want to take right now. We're going to show you some more. That's just a little hook for you because we really want you to step into this right now media. It is going to be a great thing for your family. But there are some things that we have to talk about. We'll show you a little bit more. But just, did you see, did you hear what it said? 10,000 resources for you, free.
if you were to, if you were to get just uh, a portion of that, like something to last you for like a few months, $90, 100 bucks, and we're giving it to you for free. Okay, infomercial over. All right. Now, here's that. You know, we, we want to give you that gift, but God also has a gift for you. It's a much greater gift than the gift that we want to give to you. And it's for all of us who have stepped into faith with Jesus and are committed to being his disciples. In Acts 1.8, here's what Jesus said to the church. <coughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you, do you see what will happen right there? Do you see what was going to take place? You will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses about God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His love, His continual presence in your life. You will be witnesses when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. God never intended for us to go about doing His business on your own strength. He wants us to do His will. He wants us to be about His business, but You can't do it in the flesh. It's impossible to do it in your own strength. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to produce what God's calling you to do. And we know that when we step into doing what God has directed us to do, and when we go and do what Jesus said we should do, there will be success. The kingdom of God will advance and the church will grow and people will be saved and lives will be transformed And families will be rescued because God wants us to be about his business. We have a promise from Jesus because he gave this to his disciples because he knew that they were going to run into some really difficult times, trying times, times when it seemed like it was impossible to accomplish anything. And you might feel that way right now about the church stepping into our culture. But here's what Jesus said in in Mark 10. He looked at them, his disciples, and said, What is impossible with man, Uh, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Let me boil this down to one simple thought. Jesus is asking us to be about his father's business. But the question arises, what is God's business? Well, the short answer is people. People are God's business. So when we go to do our Father's business, we need to be engaging with people about the reality of who God is. That is why Jesus said, go and make disciples, because making disciples is doing our Father's business, God's business. Here's what I know for sure. We as a church have been given a task to do, and I'm not sure how long (coughs) it will take for us to accomplish it, but it's pretty simple. Make disciples. The task is simple, but the process is more difficult. In a world in which we live in, being a Christ follower, it is no longer something that people uh, are accepting with, with favor. They don't look at us and go, you're a Christ follower, tell me about Jesus. They look at you and they find out you're a Christ follower, and the first thing they say is, don't judge me and don't shove religion down my throat. We live in a culture and in a time when they are antagonistic towards the things of God. And so it makes our job a little more complicated and complex than the simplicity of making a disciple. And, and 
the interesting thing to me is, is that when the disciples were with Jesus for as long as they were with him, and they were watching Jesus, he came and he started to heal the sick. He started to cast out demons. A, a couple of times, a number of times, they watched Jesus take authority over nature, calming the winds and the seas and making everything right. He took authority over the fish of the sea and told the fish to jump into Peter's nets to where they were breaking. He took authority over the demonic and spiritual world and Jesus had absolute authority over all of that. Jesus could produce miracles of feeding the multitudes beyond anybody's expectations. And when the disciples came to them, they had this question that they were asking of Jesus. They were asking a favor of Jesus. They wanted Jesus to teach them something. Their request was something pretty simplistic when we take a look at it, as recorded in Luke 11. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You get that? They didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to put together a solid theology and strong doctrine. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to cast out demons or how to take control over the spiritual realms. They didn't ask Jesus how to do miracles. They didn't ask Jesus how to raise somebody from the dead. All they did was simply say, Lord, teach us to pray. The one thing that they wanted Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Don't you think it should be important to us to learn how to pray? They obviously saw something about the prayer life of Jesus as he spoke deeply to the Father. I believe it was made such an impression upon his disciples that they were looking so deeply and intently at Jesus' prayer life with the Father that they realized it was the most important aspect of his ministry. And I believe it was Jesus' prayer life that was the most important part of his ministry. After all, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he got up, he went out into the desert where he fasted and prayed for 40 days. 40 days, prayer and fasting. He came off that prayer and fasting and he went through the temptations that Satan threw at him. Then shortly after that, he took a whole night where he went up on the mountain to his lonely place and he prayed and when he came off the mountain, he called his disciples to him and he chose the 12 out of them and gave them the office, the position of being apostles. But he only did that after a night of prayer. The disciples saw the importance of Jesus' prayer life in his ministry. And so above everything else they could ask Jesus to teach them, they said, teach us to pray. As I read through the book of Acts, I see how the gospel took off and made a huge impact in the world. There were few things that I believe are essential to the success of our task. At the beginning of this book, it's called actually a letter. It's Luke's letter to his friend Theophilus, and it's called the Acts of the Apostle. Luke shares 
with us Jesus' instructions to his disciples. This is the 120 after all the sifting was done and after the resurrection, just before he ascends into heaven. And here's what Jesus said to them. They are to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So they stayed, and here's what they did, Acts 1.14. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and the mother of Mary, or Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Okay, a little short little bunny trail here real quick. The brothers of Jesus, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah when Jesus was walking on planet Earth before he died on the cross. Even when he was dying on the cross, they still didn't believe he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. It was after his resurrection that they saw him that all of his brothers put their faith in Jesus to be, for the Messiah, for, this, for their salvation. Amazing. Which isn't hard to believe. I mean, my brothers don't believe I'm a preacher. So I get it. I get family. But in, 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 in anticipation of the coming of the Holy Spirit, they devoted themselves to prayer. At the beginning of chapter 2, while they were in prayer, all of them in one place, the Holy Spirit dis- descended upon them with such a powerful, mighty way that it shook the house and caused thousands of people in Jerusalem to come and gather around and to see what was going on. I'm not talking about a couple hundred people showing up around the outside of the building. I'm talking if this place got shook by the Holy Spirit the way it did on the day of Pentecostal, that there would be thousands of people from down there in Lander and up here in this subdivision, and they would all come flocking here. I'm talking about thousands Thousands upon thousands of people came to see what happened, and it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter got up. The church was birthed because Peter gave a message, and 3,000 believed in Jesus that day and were baptized, and then they were taught to obey. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit came onto them. But it was because they devoted themselves to prayer in anticipation of the coming of the Holy Spirit. that outpouring of the Holy Spirit in in Acts 2.42, they've had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They've come together. Now it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Later, as the church was in the midst of its growing pains, which all churches have growing pains, (coughs) there were some logistic issues that came up. So the apostles called all of the disciples together for a meeting. All of the disciples together. This is in Acts chapter 6. Okay, so this is after 3,000 came. This is after probably another 5,000 came to Christ. So there's at least 8,000 believers. And the apostles call all of the disciples, all of them. So it's, it's at least 8,000, probably closer to 15,000 now because of the way that the gospel is going through Jerusalem. And they come together for an annual church meeting. Yeah, you guys aren't buying it, are you? Well, it's what it says right there, that they called them, Acts chapter 6, called all of them together. And when they brought them all together, they chose seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to take over and handle the logistics and the administrative issues of a growing church. And the apostles then said, this is what their task was, Acts 6. But we 
will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Here's, here's what the apostles are saying. There are a lot of important ministries in the church and they need to be taken care of. And when those ministries are functioning as they should, it is a lot easier for others to focus on the ministry of prayer and ministry of the word. Get this, understand this. If you have been sleeping through this thing, then wake up right now and listen to the next 15 seconds and then you can go back to sleep. It is imperative that this church understands the importance of being devoted to prayer. We do need to be devoted to reading the Word of God. We need to be devoted to biblical preaching. We need to be devoted to worship. We need to be devoted to ministering to marriages. We need to be devoted to our youth. We need to be devoted to our kids. We need to be devoted to loving one another. But if we are not devoted to prayer first, we will find all those other areas of ministry a difficulty, frustrating, and unfulfilling. Look what, what happened at the church in its early days. Peter and John, they were in Jerusalem and they were preaching the gospel. They would go to the synagogue and to the temple and they would preach there. And one day on the way to the temple, as they were going to the temple, there was a, a, a beggar that was lame and he was laying on side the road and he asked him for money. And Peter and John said, we don't have any money, but here's what we have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the guy got up and walked and they healed him immediately on the spot. And then because of that happened, all the people were amazed. And so Peter and John got their hind ends, dragged in to the council, the same council that, that had Jesus crucified. And they're in there and they're being grilled and they're being talked to and they're being told, you stop talking in the name of Jesus. If you do it again, we're going to come and we're going to make your life miserable. But they couldn't determine what punishment to give them because the people were praising God because the guy got healed. And so then the, the council sent the disciples out and they said, don't do it again. Here's what the disciples did. Uh, as soon as they got done, Peter and John, they went immediately and met with the church and reported what had taken place. And then they had a prayer meeting. They gave the report and then they had a, a prayer meeting. Listen what happened at their prayer time, Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. The place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit. And look what the outcome of filling of the Holy Spirit was. They continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. There are three things required for making disciples. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and boldness produced by the Spirit of God. And it is that combination that puts us in the place where we will be making disciples as Jesus has called us to do. But it was all as a result of the disciples being devoted to prayer. Now, I know that there are some in here that are going like, yo, you just don't know me. I, you know, I, I pray at home, but I'm, I'm really bashful. I'm really shy. I, I don't want to pray out loud in front of other people. And it's just like unnerving. I'm so fearful I'm going to say something wrong or something stupid. People are going to think I'm an idiot. Welcome to my world. <laughs> All right? I mean, so I, I want you to 
I want to help you this morning because this is what God taught me. And like Paul says, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Stop. If you have a weakness, a fear of praying out loud with other people, God promised His Spirit would help you in your weakness. All you have to do is open your mouth. It doesn't have to be eloquent. Matter of fact, uh, I, my heart is so warmed when I hear those, those uh, prayers from new believers because they are so heartfelt. They're raw. They're coming from the, the inner person, and they're connecting with God in such a raw place, in a raw moment. It, it, it doesn't sound eloquent and smooth, and God loves it because that's his child. So the Spirit will help us in our weakness. For we, and listen to this. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Okay, sometimes we go like, I don't even know what to pray for. Well, here's the good news. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, and then he'll pray for us on our behalf when we don't know what to pray. He's going to do it. Now, the second thing is the reason you don't know how to pray is that The church has failed you if you're a Christ follower. Here's the deal. If you're a Christ follower and you've never been taught to pray, it's because the church didn't teach you how to do it. And we're rectifying that problem right now because Phil has a class for people who are either um, not too knowledgeable about faith, new to faith, wanting to know about faith, whatever it is, it's not our beginner class where you go through it and you learn about membership and all the rest of that stuff. And baptism, it's learning what it means to be a Christ follower. Christ follower 101, being a Jesus freak follower. That's what we're talking about. And and Phil is doing that right here in this building every Thursday that he's not got two black eyes and a broken nose. Every Thursday at 7 o'clock, he's got material. He'll give it to you. You need to come. If you don't know, you need to come. You want to learn how to pray? You come to this thing. Phil is taking and leading that group. Infomercial over. All right. Here's how I'm going to wrap this up. The two things that we need to know is that we need to be like the disciples. Our request of Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. Number one, Lord, teach us to pray. That should be your heart cry. Number two, in teaching us to pray, help us, therefore, then to go and make disciples so that we can baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we can teach them to obey all that you have commanded. Here's my question this morning. We as a church, we are on a quest to make this place the place where every person that comes in here becomes a disciple of Jesus. But we don't want you just to be a disciple. We want you to be a disciple that is committed to making disciples. You start by making disciples in your own home, in your own relationship with your spouse, in the relationship with your closest of friends. You start there. But we want to help you. This is who we are. This is our church. This is what Jesus has called us to do. And so from, and we've been doing it, but I am making it well known to all of you. Lord, teach us to pray. 
we want to be disciples who make disciples. Amen? If the Lord's been speaking to you this morning about anything, I want you to know, just come up to the front. This is the time. You can come up. You can pray. You can ask for help. We'll have some elders that will come up. If you need God to, to uh, if you need someone to pray with you, they're here to do that, what, whatever it is. But we want you to know that this is a time for you to do business with God. Our Father, this morning, we thank you that you have put us together, that you have given us direction, that we don't have to go into this world and try and just figure out what it looks like, but that you have actually given us what it is that you, you want us to be about your business, people. You want us to, to step out and make disciples because we know that when we make disciples, the lives will be transformed, marriages will be saved, people will be brought back from the brink of death, lives will be brought into the presence of Jesus, and we will be doing what you've called us to do because you love people, we love them too. So empower us, press upon our hearts what it looks like in our own world to be a disciple maker. We pray these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.